0: Hello and welcome to the show and an episode where we ask the age-old question, why is product management so hard and is there anything we can do about it? One thing you can do about it is pop over to the Product Mind Community where tonight's guest and her partner in crime are trying to support the well-being of product managers globally. You can sign up for free and join a safe space of like-minded product professionals, try and help each other make sense of it all. Check out productmindcommunity.com or find them on Twitter or LinkedIn. You can check the show notes for more details. Mental health is a cause very dear to my heart, so I was really keen to do this episode. And if you want to find out more about taking care of your mental health in product management and beyond, stick with us on One Night in Product. So, my guest tonight is Jacqueline Goodley. Jax is a former audiobook editor who used to use AI tools to make recordings sound more human, which I could certainly do with for the podcast, and says so she's also able to rap all of the lyrics to So Solid Cruise 21 Seconds. You can press the red button for that premium content. Jax is passionate about lifting things up, by which I mean lifting big heavy weights into the air, as well as lifting up people at work and product managers in general. She's doing this with her new community for product managers, and also writing a self-help guidebook about how to overcome depression. Hi Jax, how are you tonight?
1: Hi, I'm great, thank
0: you. How are you doing? I am fantastic and looking forward to the wrap. But before (laughs) any of that, let's start with a deep and meaningful question. You said before this call that the best paths are never linear. The stumble and fall isn't important, it's how you get back up. So what was your path into product management and how many twists and turns and I guess falls did it have in it?
1: So I, I see my path into product management as kind of coming at the end of a very twisty and turny career, and it's one that I never envisaged. And the reason I say that the best paths are never linear is because I'm actually really I'm, I'm really happy with where I've ended up. I love product, I love product management, I love the company that I'm working at. But had you asked me kind of how content I was with my career, you know, kind of over the last ten years, there'd be so many times where I thought I'm not achieving enough, I'm not on a kind of set path I don't know where I'm going because I've done everything from marketing to sales to ops and you know with a career like that you can think where is this going I've also had challenges with my mental health yeah and at times jobs haven't kind of ended up where I wanted them to be but I've got to this point I love product and and I I wouldn't have got there without all the twists and turns along the way
2: basically
0: yeah I think that's really interesting actually I mean my career gone all over the place as well, again, through operational roles, working as an analyst, working as a developer, then eventually making it into almost my second career as a product manager, product leader. So it's definitely really interesting. I think from my perspective, it's almost like having that variety of experiences, no matter how well they did or didn't go, can actually be really helpful to kind of round you out as a product person as well, because it's such a cross-functional role. But what was it then that attracted you to product management in the first place? Like you weren't working in it. I don't know if you were working adjacent to it or if it was just something that came up, but like, what was it that got you in?
1: So I think if I really think back, the first time I ever met a product manager, I didn't even know if there was such a thing as a product manager. And I was working at Just Giving yep. for a time. And all I knew was that I was kind of on the customer side. And then there was a tech side that I didn't really have much interaction with, but there was this guy called Jonathan that we worked with that kind of like sat in between the two. And he was a really cool guy anyway, and I liked him. But then he also seemed to kind of take all the insights that we had on the custom side, beetle off and do something with tech. And then kind of, you know, then stuff got made. And I just, <laughs> it was the, yeah, just like by magic. And I just thought, you know what, that's really cool. And I kind of like, I think that just stayed in the back of my mind. I thought, wouldn't that be a cool job to do? But, you know, I, no training. I don't think that's ever something that I'd, I wouldn't know how to get into it. And then I ended up working at the, ai text-to-speech startup that you referred to in the intro as a program manager and you know what startups are like they are too busy with too many things to do and there was just someone needed to take over a product and i kind of and and you know no one was really sure how we were going to build this product and i just kind of went i'll try it and that was (laughs) and that was how i did it i think it does come back to that like kind of you know meeting a product manager i think it was really cool really enjoying the tech that we were working with and just thinking you know what i would really like to have a go at trying to actually help make some more of this
0: but product managers glow right as well so like you see the product manager walk into the room it's you know that's someone that you want to know
1: totally i mean i have that glow now so you know i've (laughs) i've i've I've, uh, i've succeeded in that sense
0: well there you go so you said then you basically transferred in because obviously getting into product management can be a bit of a a chicken and egg situation right because mm. a lot of times you get people saying well they can't get a job because they don't have the experience but they can't get the experience because they didn't get the job so did you find that then an easy transition did you have like a lot of coaching on the way in or did you have to kind of work that out on your own
2: yeah
1: i wouldn't say it was easy because i think i really think of my role at ovo now as kind of my real first real product manager job because i interviewed for a product manager role and i have to say like i have to say the interview process. To become a product manager, it's a lot harder than I expected. It's a lot longer. There's so many rounds to go through. It's not a senior, senior role. And um, so that it was just a grueling process, I think. Yeah. And, you know, I write a newsletter trying to help people as well, just manage that process a bit easier. But I think I wouldn't say it was hard. And I think it goes back to what you're saying before in that so much of the, so many of my experiences helped make me the, Kind of professional that I am today that I just felt I had a lot of experience I could draw on yeah. and I was actually fortunate enough in my last role that I just kind of had the great privilege of just making a product from scratch I built a customer portal and that's such an amazing experience to to have as a in your you know as an early stage product manager that I knew I had enough experience and evidence to back stuff up at interview but it was just about you know, translating that and, and communicating that to your interviewers who um, <laughs> perhaps aren't looking for someone who's exactly like you and you have to convince
0: them. Oh, wow. So that convincing then, you must be you must be quite the negotiator. Were there any kind of top tips that you would take into an interview process to maybe persuade a sceptical interviewer <laughs> that maybe doesn't necessarily think you've got the right background? Like, Are there any ways that you tried to surmount that or was it very much mm. just whatever you had to do in the interview itself?
1: I mean, I absolutely didn't succeed every single time I tried to persuade them. So I don't pretend, <laughs> pretend I got this role uh, the, first, the first interview I did. Um, I think it's all about learning along the way, really. I think it's unrealistic to expect that you'd waltz into an interview and be able to persuade the first sort of senior product manager or product lead that you ever meet. I knew I had the experience to be able to be a product manager, but I just needed to learn exactly what they needed to hear. And that's a process of really just going through a load of interviews, making notes every time you come out of one, looking at all the feedback they give you on your case study to say, oh, you needed to demonstrate more nuance here or kind of your your ways of thinking here and just kind of just giving them what they just working out what they want and giving it to them, which sounds like very vague advice. But if you kind of crit- <laughs> use that critical mindset that a lot of product managers have and kind of iterate, I think you end up giving a pretty good interview at the end
0: absolutely but did you feel the need to go for any of those swanky certifications that Hmm. a lot of people keep slating online these days or did you have some other ways of kind of self-learning other than just like reading product twitter and being amazed at the quality of the insight there like what were some of your key ways to skill up in the role and and skill up and manage to land that job
1: yeah so As I said, I was just really lucky that I'd already built a product when I wasn't officially a product manager. So that is, I think, that's the best experience you can have. And I'm not pretending that I was a perfect product manager then, and I'm certainly not now. But I at least had tangible kind of evidence of I'd learned on the job, basically. But there is an element I was quite aware that I just didn't, I just didn't know the right the right way of doing things. And I, I, I think a skill within product management is you don't necessarily need to know the right way of doing things. You just need to know how to get shit done, you know? Uh, And that's definitely (laughs) something that you gain from doing lots of different jobs across lots of different industries, different companies, which I was lucky to have. But what I did do was just that kind of like polishing at the end. So like, you know, it's like doing a good exam when you're younger, like having just (laughs) those key like facts that you throw in, like making sure you've read the right books, that you can talk about Marty Kagan that you know what continuous discovery is that and all this stuff is important right I'm not I'm not putting it down it's the fundamentals of product management but you just I just hadn't didn't, I literally didn't have a clue about any of that stuff I'd been doing some of it without knowing it and so yeah I I kind of I read around the topic I listened to podcasts and that kind of stuff just to just to make sure that I I looked and sounded the part
0: that's the thing you need to get the lingo down and then everything else comes from there Right, so we talked about your path into product. You've obviously touched on the newsletter that you do as well, but you're also the co-founder of Product Mind, a free community that aims to support the well being of product people, which obviously I fully support. It sounds like a fantastic community, a fantastic initiative, but specifically what initiatives are you doing within that community and I guess also while we're while we're at it, why did you start it up in the first place?
1: So, um, I kind of laugh about how product, the product mind community came into being or how I became a part of it. Because, you know, I have two passions. Well, I have more than two passions in life, to be fair. <laughs> but the two that I tweet about, and are they a passion if you don't tweet about it? I'm not sure. Okay. And is, <laughs> is uh, mental health and product. And I kind of looked at my Twitter feed one day and I just thought, who is this speaking to? Honestly, like I've got the product, I'm doing product and I'm talking about mental health and in a quite sort of i read a lot about mental health so it was about kind of you know quite detailed stuff about psychiatry and mental health services and i and I shared this tweet and i said kind of laughing at myself saying i mean whose sweet spot am i hitting with the whole mental health product thing really like is anyone interested yeah and weirdly that was one of my most popular tweets and people came back saying <laughs> yeah i just got a load of positive response to that and then i happened to meet my co-founder, Graham Reed, and through reaching out to different PMs, as I was, that was one thing I did actually getting into product management. I just spoke to a load of product managers. He was one of them. He had a community online, a community for product managers, and we both had a passion for mental health and wellbeing. And we knew that there was this, we, we really felt that there was this desire amongst product managers to be better supported in that space. We were both product managers who'd had, you know, our own struggles. And we just had this we just had this feeling that it was what was needed. There was feedback from, you know, social media and we just thought, we'll give this a go. And it's and it's really, you know, it's it's doing really well.
0: Uh that sounds really good and obviously something I really support. But what sort of things then are you doing within the community to help support that? I mean, obviously you talked a lot about your own journey and your own issues you've had in the past, and obviously the same for your co-founder as well. But like are there any specific initiatives that you or Kind of activities that you run within the community, or is it more of a kind of mutual support group between people that are interested in basically supporting each other
1: yeah it's that it's you know the value of it really comes in providing that really supportive, safe space, but not just that. I mean, Graham and I both recognize that there is a need to support the mental health of people and product because of its uniqueness um you know all jobs can be tough on our mental health. that goes without saying. Yeah. But there's something, you know, something about being supported by other product managers who understand the kind of unique pressures and stresses that you have in a role where you're kind of sitting in the middle of a lot of different parts of the business, a lot of different influences. You're expected to manage a lot, say no to a lot, keep a lot of people happy, and all of that stuff, you know, that stuff that we're kind of drawn to in a way, you know, we love that kind of there's a lot of excitement. It's like there's so much you could do with the role, but at times that's the stuff that also gets stressful. And one of the worst things that you can do for your mental health is just to keep all that stuff inside you. If you're feeling the pressure, yeah. it's just keeping it inside you. And so it's as simple as, look, here's a space, here's other people who get it, and you can share here, and we understand, and you know, you might crowdsource various ways of problem-solving for the challenges you face, but ultimately it's just that kind of, I think, and I think Graham feels the same, it's just this, that kind of feeling supported by people who get it.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, massively support that. But if we're talking about purely well being problems that product managers have, so excluding tiresome debates about prioritization and roadmaps and all of that stuff that comes up on medium and stuff all the time and concentrating very purely on well being, what are some of the common problems or issues or things that people bring up in the community that you feel show a trend for product managers? I mean, you spoke a lot just then about some of the reasons why that might be the case because of the Ambiguity of the role, but what actually come up as common themes?
1: So you're probably not surprised to hear there are lots and lots and lots of different issues that come up. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a hugely broad role. We deal with so many different people. The, the environments are so diverse. But if I were to kind of share a few things, like pressure from leaders to kind of deliver all the time and to constantly be releasing, <laughs> you know, it can be quite a lonely role. I always find it quite funny that, you know, I lead a team of devs. I don't know how they do what they do, but I lead them. And there's only one of me and there's no one kind of, you know, a team of devs have got each other, but as a, as a product manager, there's just one of you and it sits. Yeah, you're kind of, you're on your own a fair bit. Other things like not feeling particularly empowered to be able to deliver what you think is a product vision you'd have and taking kind of direction from above a lot. But I think ultimately a lot of the time i do think there's this feeling of loneliness not on like a deeply profound level i hope people go home and kind of feel less lonely but yeah just that sense that you're dealing with a lot of things that there perhaps aren't many other people uh, around that understand that particular situation you're in
0: yeah that resonates a lot actually i mean actually one of the reasons that i started the podcast up in the first place was back then a couple of years ago now was in a job that I wasn't particularly enjoying at the time. Also, we were mid-lockdown, which didn't help for many reasons. But at the same time, kind of going on a short break and you go away and walking on the beach and reflecting and trying to not look at your phone. Actually, it was one of the first times in a long time that I hadn't actually checked in with my emails all the time and tried to sort of do some ad hoc work on the beach or whatever. And yeah, for me, it was very much a case of, well, yeah, this is quite a lonely craft because as a product manager, I don't know if you feel this, but as a product person, you're sitting there, like you say, either the only product manager on your team, or in some cases, maybe the only product manager within the company, or even if you do have a group of people within the company, you've only got each other, and you all have the same problems, as in, Mm -hmm. like you've you're all under the same organizational structure, you've all got the same commercial and product and business pressures that are weighing you all down, and there's no real easy way to actually go out there and effectively really understand that it's all okay i mean okay is subjective obviously but okay in the sense that many of these things are just things that happen in jobs and to try and understand what's right what's okay what's not right what's not okay so for me sort of throwing myself into the community and obviously with the podcast as well trying to get out there and talk to people really opened my eyes to what really the world of product management was like in a way that i don't think i could get just reading a few articles and just talking to my own fellow product people in my own company so completely resonate completely agree with that
1: and just you know i think i feel very lucky that i work in a very i love the product environment i work in. i love the culture it's got a really product first culture but not everyone is lucky enough to work in those sorts of yeah environments and i think that you know we can try and perform as best as we can but if you're working in an environment that doesn't lend itself to supporting product managers it can be really tough
0: yeah and then that makes me think and I don't know what you think about this but this idea that of course product managers in environments like that I mean they often get blamed for some of the organizational dysfunction that basically is affecting them just as much as anyone else but because they're there in between everyone they're kind of getting it from all sides which mm. I understand why they get it from all sides because they are in that position but at the same time it doesn't make their lives any easier and there's certainly been occasions in my career where I've just walked out of the office at the end of the day weighed down with the weight of the world because again you're just getting effectively i don't want to say attacked but basically attacked by all comers just because they've got no one else to have a go at
1: Mm, yeah exactly and it's hard because i think certainly i suffer from this sometimes i feel responsible for too much the product manager because because you do have so you can have so much influence and you have a whole team to look after and i think oh i should be making sure the team are really happy and if they're not it's my fault and if we're not you know haven't delivered anything really tangible for the past couple of sprints you know that's you know what am I doing and then to have those pressures you put on yourself but then to have as you have just talked about kind of these extra pressures and and kind of being held accountable for perhaps things that aren't in your control I think it's just yeah it can be it can be a lot.
0: And what are some of the ways that you try to help people aside from providing a safe space try to help people overcome some of those challenges or maybe overcome the stresses and strains of product management mm-hmm. in a role or a company which maybe isn't working quite as well as as it could do for that person
1: yeah uh, so i i suppose you know there are no there's never a, there's never an easy solution there's never one solution and ultimately what we try and do in the community i think is that it's a sort of crowdsourcing of different experiences different opinions you know, someone, we have a, a, you know, we have lots of different channels. It's, it's on Slack. We have lots of different channels. We might have a, we have a well being channel. We have a product channel. People will post about something that that's getting to them. And invariably, lots of different people will come back with all different angles. You know, they'll approach the problem from all different angles. And I kind of think of it like, um, a bit like peer coaching, which I've just started at over as well. Sometimes it's just that kind of, the value is in Kind of the diversity of experiences that can then feed into where you're you know the, the thing that you're going through yeah that, that makes you feel supported in the first instance that people are coming forward to help you, and then you kind of you get to like anything you get to decide whether you want to take on those um, take on that advice, but I hope it adds up to kind of a quite well built out well thought through sort of approach to to solving various problems. But there is no one fixed way and we would never be prescriptive in that sense. But I really I, I really hope that the kind of the breadth of experience is really helpful for people.
0: No, absolutely. It's that whole argument about the diversity of experience is really what can obviously help with product teams in general, but again, diversity of experience, which can help you again to understand that things are okay or they're more okay than they feel. Like mm, some things aren't absolutely. okay and you need to be, that needs to be called out too. Like there are situations that just ain't okay. Yeah. But but some situations aren't as bad as they seem when you're exactly. on the, on the coal face.
1: And sometimes there's a value in exactly that. People go, oh my gosh, that's a really bloody hard situation. And I don't actually yeah. know what I would do either. But you could try this. And just to know that you're not unsuccessful, you're not failing, you're not doing yeah. a bad job just because something's difficult or work. It's some things are, as you just said, some things are just really difficult.
0: Yeah, absolutely. But there's a lot of chat online around imposter syndrome In product managers, there's a lot of chat around the perils of hustle culture, but there's also all these people out there with your threads of like 10 things you need to do to be a great product manager. This is the way that you succeed in business, blah, 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 all delivered in a constantly updating feed on one social network or another. And it's fair to say that at least some of these are somewhat idealized or so context free that they're almost impossible to apply to any other situation than the one that the person was originally talking about. But do you think that this, for want of a better word, Instagramification of product management and to some extent tech contributes to some of the problems around people in product management feeling that they've got almost like an impossible standard that they have to reach?
1: Yeah, I think, I, I do think there are two sides to you know, the role that social
0: media plays in product.
1: I certainly, I love the product community on Twitter
0: or parts of it. I don't. uh, I. I, Everyone except me. You can say it. It's fine.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I've come on the podcast. Belong to the person. I really can't say. No, I. um, I find it really. I. I find it really helpful. But I think it's about how you use social media. I, the kinds of articles you've just talked about, ten things or the five books that you have to read on product management, which are always the same five books, and I'm really like, (laughs) are there no other books? You know that surely. That I find boring, I find reductive, I find it make it, I think there's a pressure to just fit into this very kind of cookie cutter product management kind of ideal. Yeah. And that goes against everything I think that product management is like the, the beauty of product management is that you can bring your own magic and your own take on it. And you can be creative and you don't have to follow frameworks if you don't want to. Sometimes they're useful. <laughs> there are no ten ways to be the best product manager, and the only thing that that's going to do is make you feel pretty crappy if you don't do those ten things. Yeah, and I think again, the benefit of my weird kind of squiggly career is that I just think, well, okay, you would never have told me to do it this way, but I have, and it still worked out really well. So I don't have to follow a pattern, but I don't want to be all kind of negative about products, social media, because I have gained from it massively, and I talked about it before. A little i when i first when i got this uh, this job now i reached out to the community i just said look would anyone like a chat about product management anybody who's a product manager for longer than anyone who's been one for longer than me which was about 18 months at the time or not you know let's talk and there was so much value in that i learned a lot and i think it's about how you connect with people if you can make meaningful connections and have proper conversations on social media about product management i think it's great and i think it's really helpful But I have certainly felt, you know, this is a a crazy example. There's a lot of tweets about how how stressed you should feel as a product manager. And when I started my role, I just didn't feel very stressed. I kind of felt like I had things under control. There wasn't there weren't too many pressures on at that time. I'm now working at an energy company in an energy crisis, and I feel more stressed. (laughs) But I felt like a bad product manager. Because I wasn't stressed enough, and I thought, "Am I not doing something right?" And that's just absurd. And that is, you know, down to the kind of kind of the narrow representation of what it is to be a product manager on Twitter, Instagram, you know, you name it.
0: No, absolutely. Well, hopefully, we can tackle that problem one tweet at a time. (laughs) Yes,
1: (laughs) that's the way to save the world.
0: There you go. But on the topic of well-being, I believe you're also writing a book, and the book is called My Sketchy Head. No Bullshit Depression Sketches. Now I know what all of those words mean, but what's the core premise of that book if you put all those words together?
1: So the No Bullshit Depression Sketches uh, is a guide to overcoming low mood and um, depression, a self-help guide. And there are various things I wanted to achieve with that. Firstly, it's an illustrated book. So illustrated by me. Um, I wasn't an illustrator until I got a publishing bill, I have to say. Oh, Um, wow. (laughs) It's fine. I'm coping just. Um, and uh,
0: you can just use Dali, right? The online image generator.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. You don't need to actually get through so. these things. So I wanted, you know, there's a whole section of the population that just is not going to pick up a, a book on how to get over depression if it's just, you know, a wall of text. And I think there's a real power in um, making it visual and making it more accessible. And there are a lot of people who won't have access to therapy as well. It's either very hard to get on the NHS or it's prohibitively expensive uh, to go privately. Yeah. But as someone who's been depressed a number of times, six to be precise, I just have this real, real urge to kind of help people in a way that perhaps I wasn't helped at the beginning of my journey. And, you know, there's such a body of evidence suggests the the power and um, effectiveness of bibliotherapy, basically, and, and self-help books. And, you know, I really want to try and help people through my experience, through my lived experience, to start to tackle some of the challenges they face with their
2: mood.
0: No, absolutely. And again, massive fan of that and something that I probably could have done with at times in my life and career as well. But is it somewhat daunting going into an area like this? I mean, obviously, you're saying you've got the lived experience that you have, which obviously is going to give you a lot of insight into how you felt. But of course, Depression is a big subject and there's a lot of ways that depression can be expressed. So do you feel that you need to I mean you say you read about it a lot so I guess you've been doing a lot of self study yourself but do you feel almost like an obligation to get this stuff really right?
1: Absolutely and uh, and it's a pressure that I probably shouldn't put on myself because there is no <laughs> right, you know? Like I was thinking about this just the other day I I've, I've got a friend who's struggling a bit at the moment and With all the experience I've got over the 10 years I've got and having managed to pull myself out of depression, I still felt totally powerless as to how to really help her or how to get her out of the kind of, I always call them holes, the hole she was in with her, with how she was feeling. And that just shows how complicated it is. If someone who's gone through it that many times still doesn't have the answer, it's a very complicated and you can't help everyone. You really can't. And I think in writing the book and in illustrating it, I've been so careful to try and think of this from every angle. But I am very conscious that my experience is just my experience. It may help some other people. I think it will. And I'm really pleased that it will. But I can't, you know, I can't put pressure on myself to to help to kind of be the right person to help everyone. And I think that's an important lesson to learn that I have learned in writing this book.
0: No, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess, Even if it's a jumping off point for people to look into other stuff, that could still be a really helpful first step, like an accessible guide to get started, and then they can go and find whatever it is that they need to take them on the rest of their journey.
1: Absolutely. And so, and and one of the main messages in the book is, for most people, there's something we can do to help our own mental health. I think there's a lot of talk, and and part of it is down to the the over-medicalization of fluctuations in mood and kind of... We rely on antidepressants a lot, which are very helpful for a lot of people. But it, you know, it's a re- there's a real m- talk about the medical model and how we address depression. And because of that it's very easy to kind of feel disempowered, and lots of people it would be really tough, and they might not be able to help themselves. But I know that once upon a time I believed there was nothing I could do to get myself out of it. But I have learned that there's definitely stuff I can do, and and that's been a really kind of empowering and validating a lesson for me to learn and, and gives me confidence you know and I hope other people can find that confidence through the book as well
0: oh, absolutely well I look forward to that coming out but you say on the twitter page of that book depression doesn't make you wrong we don't mm-hmm. need to be on an endless search to fix ourselves because we're not broken now I've definitely had my problems over the years and to some extent have kind of come to accept myself more or less what I am and Develop my own coping mechanisms. But when it comes to your journey and the things that you've learned, I mean, how have those, I mean, you've talked about your six episodes that you've had throughout your career, how have they manifested themselves in general, but also specifically with regards to your career?
1: So my career has been choppy in part due to my mental health. You know, and just to give a flavor of it, I've had to take 10 months off of work sometimes you know, because I was completely debilitated by it, found it very hard to leave the house, couldn't pick up a pho- the phone if my friend rang. At times when it was really bad, I couldn't think properly enough to be able to do a job. So there was no point yeah. in turning up to the office, really, <laughs> even if I could have. And I guess to talk about the point that, you know, the point I want to make is that is normal, because that's how humans design, are designed. If life is getting too much for you or on top of you, People can get depressed. It can happen. I think one thing that lockdown showed us is that people, all sorts of people struggled with their mental health and their mood when they'd never had any problems before. Yeah, it's something that no one is immune from from struggling with their mental health, whether that be you know a clinically diagnosable condition in inverted commas or just feeling a bit shit. You know, there yeah. no one is immune, and that's the that's the message I want to give. And, and I think that's a really important one to give because if you are someone who struggles, there's nothing worse than to be struggling and then to be beating yourself up for the fact that you're struggling. Yeah. It's, it's not helpful. And I think if we normalize it, which is such an overused word, but if we, if we normalize it, I think people feel in a far better position a far, to kind of address it and kind of approach it with, you need to approach it with bravery in some ways. The biggest lesson that I've learned in my depression is, to just accept myself for who I am with the struggles that I've had and with the potential that they could happen again one day for all that I've learned and all the way the coping mechanisms I've developed and to think, okay, this is part of me and that's okay and that is normal.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And again, can completely identify with a lot of that. But obviously, the flip side of, for example, having a period of depression at work and having some of those struggles that you've mentioned is, of course, the boss side of that, like the people that you're reporting into, the people that you have to tell that you need to take that time out, the people that you need to tell that you're struggling in whatever level of detail that you feel comfortable with sharing with them. But of course, psychological safety and just the ability to have that kind of conversation just in our general society is still not great. So have you found over the years and the times that this has happened to you that having those conversations with your bosses, with your managers has been productive or that they just have no idea what to do and it all shuts down and they maybe even start to doubt you a little bit?
1: Mm. I'll be very honest. In the majority of roles I've had the majority of companies, I just haven't had that conversation because I was too scared. Like, I can talk about my mental health now, but, you know, for the first half of the 10 years where it's been difficult sometimes... I just, I just wouldn't have said it for exactly the reason you said I didn't know what the response would be. I didn't, I just didn't want to take that risk. Since then, I have, I do, I I do talk about it now, but I won't pretend it's easy still. And I think that's what we have to understand. I don't think, even for me, I don't think it's ever going to feel particularly easy to sit down in front of a boss and say, okay, I have this thing where maybe it'll happen and I might have to take a lot of time off work and I'll kind of disappear and I'm really sorry. Obviously, you wouldn't have the conversation like that, but no one really wants to have that conversation. Yeah. But I, what I would say is I've never found it easier than working where I am now at OVO. And that has to do with the environment that they created for me when I joined. So when I joined, I got sent a wellbeing action plan. And all of these questions about like, okay, how would a boss recognize if you're struggling with your mental health? What are some of the things that the pressures that you feel that might start to impact on your mental health? And so walking into that role... I felt, it felt easy or easier to say, okay, yeah, I have been depressed. I, I've got it under control. And I think really there should be a lot more focus on what companies can do for their employees to help them feel comfortable to share. And then what I do within Over as well is I lead the mental health network and I make a point of sharing my experiences as hard as that sometimes still feels. Yeah. Because then people feel able to share their own and I, there is such a power in that.
0: But there is a lot of stigma around depression, as I just said, and around mental health in general. So if someone's listening to this now, maybe they've not come to terms with how they're doing, or maybe they're unable to work out what to do, how to progress themselves at work or in their life in general. Just they're, they're in a bit of a hole, as you kind of put it yourself. And they need to know like what that first next step could be. Now, with the caveat that that could be different for everyone, but are there any kind of general principles that you've kind of learned that you might recommend to someone that's in that sort of situation, that first step that they can take?
1: I don't think anyone can do any of this stuff alone, basically. And sometimes it's really hard to know who to reach out to. And and I understand that that's sort of could be an obstacle in this advice I'm giving. And not <laughs> everyone has people that they feel that they can talk to. But if you have even like the slightest inkling of someone who would listen and not judge and and just and you feel even vaguely comfortable to share with that's the first step because you know once it's out there and a thing it's only from that point that you can then take some action that person also might have some suggestions and there's a relief in just kind of getting that thing off your chest and when you're in a bad place you're not necessarily the best person to kind of motivate you to do the things that are helpful for you either so it's really really useful to have people around you who can help you with that i mean i'm always happy to hear from people on social media as well if you're struggling send me a dm you know and there's always things that you can do but it's much easier when you're not doing it on your own
0: no absolutely and i'd like to extend that offer of course myself to anyone listening to this as well if they want to listen to someone who's been around the block a couple of times anything i can do to help but of course, one thing we could do to help is get them to buy that book. So when's it coming out?
1: It's due to come out in January 2024, which is a little way off. So I hope people kind of can hang around for that long. But yeah, and it's going to be released in the UK, USA, Canada, Australia, and New Zealand. So hopefully your international listeners can uh, can get a copy as well. And yeah, I'm very, very excited for it.
0: Uh, me too. I'll keep an eye on the progress and hopefully you can put a little couple of little sneak peek chapters out or something like George R.R. R. Martin does when he's not writing his book.
1: <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure I will, yes.
0: There you go. And where can people find you then after this if they do want to reach out to you to talk about mental health or wellness and product management in general, find out about the community or see if they can entice you into a wrap-off?
1: So yes, on Twitter is the best place to find me. Um, so my handle is at JacksGud, J-A-C-S-G-U-D. And if you're interested in joining the Product Mind community, where we help support the mental health of people in product, that is at ProductMind.com with a double M.
0: Well, oh, there you go. Well, I'll make sure to link that all into the show notes and hopefully you'll get some interested people heading in your direction and finding out a little bit more. I'd love that. Well, that's been a fantastic chat. So obviously, really appreciate you taking the time to talk about some deep and meaningful issues. and. Again, if anyone is listening to this, I'm sure they can reach out to either of us for some advice or just a friendly face, but yeah, that offer remains open in perpetuity. Obviously, you and I can stay in touch, but as for now, thanks for taking the time. Thanks, Jason. As always, thanks for listening. I hope you found the episode inspiring and insightful. If you did, again, I can only encourage you to pop over to onenightinproduct.com check out some of my other fantastic guests sign up to the mailing list or subscribe on your favorite podcast app and make sure you share with your friends so you and they can never miss another episode again i'll be back soon with another inspiring guest but as for now thanks and good night